Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 21. I am perpetually learning about myself as you, as me, as my environment, because you know, since, since recognizing a little bit more clearly that I've always been here and always will be here, there is no time to perform. There's no end thing that you have to, to reach and think that, oh yeah, that, that's, that's what, what I am. And if I do this, then, then I'm worth more. Like when you recognize there is no end to you, it's always been, you're always just learning more and more, going through more and more experiences and iterations of yourself. And in, in no end, there's just perpetual experience for the sake of doing so always merely for the sake of doing so. And what if all of those experiences were dictated by how close to being yourself you were? What if the experience of suffering that you're going through is largely perpetuated by the fiction of yourself that you're attached to? And the more you let go of that attachment, the more you let go of that fiction and the idea that it ever was a measure of your value, the more of your potential you can see, the more doors open up to you that were always there, but you were unfortunately too distracted to notice because you were trying to feel better. And you were trying to feel better from a pain that was caused by the strategy that you were using to feel better. And so just relax, pay attention, be yourself, make this moment everything, because this moment is everything. It is your existence. And if it was the last moment that you had left, what would you do with it? And if you live like that, then you'll live freely. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Dual Security Raw, episode 21. And here we are for Great. another week. Fuck yeah. Oh my God, I love my schedule. <laughs> I love my job. I really do. I really do. It's just, it's so fascinating to me that I get to do the thing that I've always enjoyed doing the most, which is talking to really interesting people who are going through actual stuff, you know, like I, I always get bored with, you know, the intellectual conversation about like awareness and consciousness and stuff like that. That's all well and good. It's interesting and, and whatnot, but it's when you start getting down to the, nit the nitty gritty of how your reality feels. And that only ever comes through going through crap. Lots and lots and lots of crap. And so I love the fact that the people we talk to, as much as they're incredibly intelligent and insightful and can get into the, the deeper conversations, it's all coming from a point of not trying to be clever, but trying to do something with it. Like they bring it with them into the conversation, the intention of connection, the intention of authenticity. It's not just, hey, we're all here to wax philosophical and feel very smart. There's very little of that. A lot of it is emotional. A lot of it is just, I'm going through this or I've gone through this or I can relate to you going through that. It's, it's awesome. I, I just, I find it so funny that I've looked for that conversation in so many different places and so many different ways, going to churches and spiritual centers and groups and all of this other stuff, looking for that quote unquote tribe. And this is why I always caution people about looking for that tribe you're looking for something it's not what you think it is just continue to grow you and everything comes to you 
eventually. It really is a reflection of you. So I was just basking in that this morning, and I'm still basking in it right now as my morning gets started. Yeah, love to hear it. Yeah, it's it's fun that the conversation that we have, I love how fun it is that, you know, as much as we're still super busy with things, it's all going towards the same sort of recognition. I It was so frustrating to uh, have to split my time between you know, doing this, which I really enjoy and doing some shit that I just don't care about. That is just pushing someone else's dream to basically make more money is, is what it came down to. Or is now it's like everything we do, like being able to wake up in the morning and like clip up some videos or respond to some messages or anything. Like it's all funneling towards the same desire to help myself. And I was thinking this morning just about with the upcoming book and whatnot, we're both writing reasons why we're we're writing the book. And so I've been thinking about that. And, you know, that's a big part of what it comes down to for me. There's a number of things that I'm going to put in that paragraph or two in the for the intro. But really, like once you recognize yourself and everyone through realizing that this is all you, everything you interact with is you. The idea of you is not the reality of you. All that's left is just a bunch of you. And there's this drive, this drive from empathy to help yourself that you can't teach. It's not motivation. It's not anything external. It's like a deeper will desire something. I don't know exactly what the word would be, but just a deeper drive to help yourself once you see yourself and everyone else. So yeah, that's, I'm going to expand on that for sure. But yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to be able to spend every day just talking about these things. And again, not settling on being spiritual teachers because that fucking like that's starting to grind my gears as much as or close to as much as it grinds rays and i uh i love that we're not spiritual like uh people want to so badly pin their finger on like oh this is what kind of stuff is it it's just about the recognition that you're not we think you are and beyond that you have infinite potential and always have that's all it's not it's not fucking spiritual. It's not like this high-minded shit. We can go into that stuff, sure. We can, you know, chat it up with the best of them in that realm, but we're not identifying with it because that's the pitfall that all those gurus fall into is identifying with the conversation. The philosopher is identifying with the conversation. So as long as have it because it's fun, but don't think it means anything more about you because that's going to cut you off from from those, the real, really deep recognitions, if you settle upon that as being where you find that comfort. Because the really deep recognition is where you are right now. It's the experience you're having right now. And religion tends to forget, spirituality tends to forget that all of these these narratives and metaphors and stories and symbolisms and, and concepts and all of that are just descriptions for a state of being that we've forgotten how to just tap into because we're always looking for it. I always find it fascinating that this is the case is why I always compare it to one of those finger puzzles. 
you have to do the counterintuitive thing. Like to find what you're looking for, you must stop looking. That's really annoying. And I know it's really annoying. I get it. And I go through it every day. Every day, it's the same cycle of, oh, I'm uncertain. Urge to, urge to have control? Oh yeah, consequence to control, surrender. And you just go through this cycle over and over and over again. And what happens is not that you don't have any semblance of what's going on, but you start to gain a sensitivity for what's going on from moment to moment. And then you start to gain a recognition that a moment is actually an infinitesimally small amount of time. It's crazy how many moments go by in a day. This is why I don't get caught up in thinking about tomorrow, because there's so much that could happen today. And we forget that because we always think, well, today is going to be like it was yesterday because it's familiar. Right. But we only think that till something changes. And then we resist all that change. But we wouldn't resist all that change if we recognized all the time that it could be coming at any time. Instead, we fool ourselves into thinking we're stuck. And then we continue to think in a certain way, which keeps us stuck. Because now we're not seeing any opportunities that are there all the time. And it's really just about, again, recognizing that each and every moment is full of limitless potential. It's you that's narrowing the option. Here and now, with what you think you are. And that's all. And you might be thinking, well, how can I change what I think I am? Don't do that. Question what you think you are. See what remains. Each and every time your mind's like, you're this. Go, am I? That's really all it takes. Am I though? Just keep doing that. Because the question is what opens you up to possibilities. And not settling on an answer is what allows you to continue to grow and evolve and empathize with people. But it really is that simple. Just, am I though? Do I need to be? That's pretty much it. You keep doing that and you will continue to see new things, be new things, express new things, embody new things. Life will continue to change because you are life and life is change. Amen. And that makes every day very exciting too. And that's why I think for me, it was, it was helpful. You know, the recognition, obviously I've talked about it a ton that I don't have a past in the way that I think I do. And if you, if you take every day and think of it, like the first day of your life, like it, it can allow you to not feel so much association to thinking today is going to be like yesterday, because if you don't attach so strongly to thinking that you were, that yesterday defines the reality of you, every day is a new opportunity to experience new things. And, and everything seems kind of exciting, even doing the most basic sorts of things. Like I posted a video recently, it was an old video walking through New York, just expressing how cool being is like when, when you let go of the story, because when you don't have so much of story anymore, you see things for what they are, you are here now and, and being here now is, is as deep as you can go with things like it's always here now and being able to just like move your hands around and make sounds with your mouth that someone else understands and being able to to move from a chair to another room and and back again and and see things like everything gets so much more exciting and enthralling when you let go of the story but as long as you have the story there's like a a veil to that 
recognition that, oh, it's just cool to, to be reality. When you have the veil, it, it kind of disconnects you from that recognition. People talk about, oh, if, if you're not what you think you are, you're disassociating. People love making that statement. And it's like, it's very much the opposite. Thinking that you're the story, thinking that you are what you were yesterday is disassociating. Associating is being here now without so much of a story, without needing to tell you, tell yourself what you think you are, because you're never that. That's disassociation. It's just so common that we think that association is disassociation, which blows my mind. I just find so funny whenever I post a video about like, you know, you're just reality. You are what is blah, 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 blah. People are like, oh, disassociation. You got to be careful. Got to be careful without the story. You're not grounded. You're not where it's like with the story, you're not grounded with the story. You're cut off from where you're at here now. You're not everything that's been. You are what is right now. But yeah, it's just so funny how we've gotten so caught in the illusion that we think that associating is disassociating and disassociating is associating. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and because you get that, I have something I wanted to read to you here from uh, our friends at Reddit. And this was in the self-improvement section this morning. Um, the heading was, my life is boring. I've got no friends, interests, or hobbies, and I feel like I'm wasting my life. So to go on, my life is completely dull and boring. I want to change that, but how? Every day is the same, and I don't know. It just lacks any kind of excitement or stimulation. I do have a miserable job, though, so at least I have income. I'm 23, and it feels like I'm running out of time. I missed out on everything in my teenage years. I didn't go drinking, partying, and doing stupid stuff. I was just gaming at home the whole day. But now everyone around me is going out, having fun, traveling, meeting up with friends, not to mention dating and sex. I'm so jealous of them, and it feels like I'm missing out on living. But I don't have any friends. I'm not interested in anything. I have no hobbies either. I just browse the net or watch lame videos in my free time. I don't think that I'm antisocial. I feel very lonely and bored. I want to change that. But my social skills are basically non-existent. I really don't know how others do it. How could I get to know people and make friends when I am the least interesting guy on the planet? It's finally the weekend and I was just sitting in my chair playing games the whole day. Not like I enjoyed it. And I got no other plans, not a single thing to look forward to. What could I do to change my life? Is there any way out of this? Now, given everything that you were just talking about, the answer to all of this is crystal clear, but again, counterintuitive. So I'm going to pass it to you. Yeah, that's a hell of a story that he's telling himself. The whole thing is a story that, that I, was it a he or a she, or do we not know? It's a he. He that he's bringing into every moment. I'm the least interesting person on earth. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I just do this. Life is life is lame. Life is mundane, blah, 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 blah. So I think the initial thing is just questioning it. As Ray said before, just question, is it though? Are you the least interesting person on earth? What if you're not? Like that, that shift in like, what if nothing I'm telling myself is the truth? What if my my mind is a total liar? What if it was? And kind of just allowing yourself to sit in that, even just a test for, you know, a day or, or a week, just pretend that the whole story was a total farce and a total lie and to stop telling yourself that. And then going and doing things without 
telling yourself a different story, like, like just seeing what experience would be like without bringing that story into each and every moment about what you think you are. And that's where it starts. And a lot of people, which is, I find interesting or kind of a, I don't know, kind of a bummer is, is they'll say like, oh, that's just, just think positive. Just, just tell yourself that you're the most interesting person on earth. Just start telling yourself that it's like, that's just another story. That's going to have a whole hell of a lot of other pitfalls. It's going to, it's going to reinforce that you are what you think you are in another way. And it's kind of just like trying to grind against the reality of what, what it is here and now, like it, it, there's going to be a lot of friction to going into another story as opposed to letting go of the story. You open yourself up to seeing things for what they are. But if you just tell yourself another story, you're not going to recognize the potential opportunities here now, because you're going to be caught in trying to prove the story or then it's going to be hard. Cause like, as much as we can give ourselves positivity affirmations and whatnot, like you still know you're kind of lying your, to yourself or you're trying to force yourself to believe in something else. And so it's always going to be distorted. But I don't know how many people recognize that they don't have to tell themselves a story. Like we live our lives thinking there has to be a story. So if I'm not this, I must be that. If I'm not this, I must be that. If I, don't want to be this, then I'll just tell myself I'm something else. It's like, you don't have to tell yourself anything. You don't have to keep telling yourself all the things that you believe to be true, not only about yourself, but about other people and how you think that other people aren't going to you know, like you, or, or you think you're the least likable person. It's like, you don't know, you're making so many assumptions about their opinions as well that you're bringing into each and every moment. So questioning the story is what it comes down to. And and it's not to say that we know exactly where that'll take you, but it'll take you somewhere that isn't the same thing that you've kept experiencing over and over nonstop for the last few years or however long you've been telling yourself that story. Well, and this is kind of the thing the brain is working against you. It's, it's really helpful to remember that your brain is working against you. And what I mean is that your way of living is now habitual, it's familiar. And so it's addictive to some degree. Whenever you're uncomfortable, your brain's gonna want to run back to the good feeling that is familiarity and safety and security. And so you're always gonna want to run back to the same habits that you've developed over years. And what I mean is specifically the playing video games. I understand, I love playing video games. Now that I'm in my forties, I'm very careful about playing video games in the same way that I'm careful about drinking. And it's because it's very easy to just get lost in it, especially when you've had a habit of doing so. And so my recommendation is stop playing video games. I don't mean forever, but I mean actually set a limit and just say, no, I'm not going to play for three days and don't. And just sit in that discomfort. If you're uncomfortable, go for a walk. Don't turn on the TV. Read a book. Take up crochet. doesn't really matter what you do. Really, it doesn't. I mean, learn to play hacky sack. You could do anything. If you want a good book, read some Krishnamurti or some Alan Watts or pick up a copy of the Tao Te Ching. Give your brain something to think about other than how crappy everything is. Because everything's crappy because you are in a mentality where you don't understand how to make more of it. 
And part of that mentality, as Andrew said, is telling yourself a story. Another part of that mentality, which goes with the story you tell yourself is the assumptions of everyone else. You see everybody else traveling and it looks easy to them, but they're going through the same stuff you are. I'm gonna tell you right now, there isn't a single thing that anybody else does that they don't at some point doubt themselves and decide to do it anyway. That's the point though. It's a practice pushing past your habitual and familiar limits. It's a practice to tell yourself, well, I know what this does. I don't know what that does. And that's a priority to me. And you are rapidly going towards that priority. I've, I've ridden out this spiral. I understand eventually you're going to get to the point where the suffering's just not worth it anymore. And you're going to start questioning it because you have to. Otherwise, you're just going to end up sitting in this because it's always going to feel like this if you continue to think about yourself and your narrative. You don't know what you're capable of. You don't know how people perceive you. You don't know how much potential you have. Just keep that in mind, right? And try. But you know that you need to change the habit. You've said it in what you wrote. You have to change that cycle. I'm just assuming I'm addressing the person because I'm going to go and leave a comment saying that we talked about this in raw. The point is, though, is that you know that there's a change you need to make, but you're telling, telling yourself a story that's making it justifiable for you to not make that change. And so nothing's going to change and you have no one to blame. So I would recommend just stop playing video games, put a limit on it, go and take up something else. It doesn't matter what it is. So long as it's something you're unfamiliar with, because that will bring out more of your potential and you will feel differently about your story. Yeah, for sure. And and on the point of um, comparison and thinking about other people, like it, it helps remember that everyone's going through shit to some degree, like the people who you think are out there, you know, living their best lives and traveling and exploring, like they're all going through shit too. Like everyone has something day to day that they're going through in their life. And it doesn't mean like you're not necessarily going to know what that is like they're not going to share that they're not going to put it on their social media most likely some people do here and there but most of the time when you're looking at other people's lives you're not you're seeing like top one percent top one percent of their highlight reel and comparing that to a hundred percent of your life so as much as i wouldn't recommend like even considering what other people are doing and and like living your life based on that if you are doing that just definitely keep in mind that you're not seeing the whole thing you're seeing top one percent you're seeing all the things that they want you to see or all the things that they think are going to make people like them because they feel just like you do and they think that doing that is somehow gonna help solve and and cure it so keeping that in mind is uh is very helpful as well. And yeah, and really like all of this just comes down to questioning the story, you know, what if it isn't true? What if, what if it's not that? And then doing something just a little bit differently, even, you know, when you wake up brushing your teeth with your left hand, if you always use your right, just doing something a tiny bit different can, can set off a certain chain of events that it's like, oh, that was, that was different, uncomfortable. A uh, little felt a little bit weird. Let's try something else. Feels a little bit different, uncomfortable. Feels a little bit weird. If you always wake up and immediately start playing video games, just like 
you know, go outside and go on a walk for 10 minutes. And if you always go on a walk with your headphones in, go on a walk without them in. Just little subtle changes because as Ray said, you know, we are very habitual creatures and our brain does everything it can to prove to us that we are what we think we are, that we are the story that we tell ourselves. It tries to validate it at all times. So switching things up, doing things differently, questioning that story is one of the most important things you can ever do. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, I just want to address the comments here quickly. Yes, we can see your comments. Uh, somebody was asking how they can interact with us. You can interact with us every week on the free public group call, which is at 6 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. You can register at dualisticunity.com in the free events section in the navigation bar. Uh, otherwise, you can join us on Patreon. Uh, we are doing five or, or five days a week of group discussions on Patreon. Uh, tier one gets eight group discussions per month for only $5 a month. Uh, tier two gets five days a week. Honestly, tier two is just a steal. And you get to talk to us in person on Zoom, ask us your questions, share your stories, share your insights. It, it's a lot of fun. And it's honestly, it's the best part of dualistic unity. In my opinion, we did have a group episode last Tuesday, which I encourage you to go and check out if you'd like. I think it was raw number 21. Um, fantastic conversation. And that's kind of an example of what the groups are like. They're very informal. Somebody will raise their hand with the little raise your hand button if they have something to say. And we just more or less just go around and see what awareness has to communicate that day or our awareness has to communicate that day. So it's a lot of fun. And the groups are totally private outside of last Tuesday's episode, which only happens once a month right now. The Patreon groups are totally private. Nobody sees them except other members because all of the groups are posted after the actual meeting. So you can actually go back in case you miss that particular group and see what happened. Yeah, always a ton of fun. Definitely recommend if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying, enjoying this live stream, if you enjoy interacting with us in the comments, like definitely get on Patreon because you can actually interact with us live with your camera on and whatnot. Um, but all right, another something I wanted to bring up today was that uh, tool song you sent me uh, 46 and two. And I looked into it uh, and like the meaning behind it and everything with, you know, the the chromosomes going from 42 to 44 to 46. And I was like following it like high level stuff. But I'm I, I'm just curious, like how much you've looked into that and like your understanding of the song, because I had you know, I've heard it a couple times before, but that was the first time I actually paid, like really paid attention to the lyrics and whatnot. And I definitely felt it more deeply. Uh, but I'd love to hear just like your thoughts on the song and, and some of that deeper meaning of that uh, transition of uh, consciousness sort of. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I didn't know what 46 and two meant for the very long, for a very long time. I was just like, what an interesting name for a song that otherwise is incredibly meaningful. It really is just going about going through the darkness, finding yourself through your shadow. Right. And that that's really all it is. But the 46 and two is ev evolution, right? Like, going through that process, we evolve to a new state of being because as you said, they're talking about chromosomes, right? Like there's 44 and two, the male and female, and then the next evolution would be 46 and two, right? So the next evolution of humanity might conceivably have 46 and two chromosomes. 
So how do we get there? Well, in the song, they're, they're talking about, you know, I was crawling on my belly, clearing out what should have been, I've been wallowing in my own chaotic, insecure delusions, right? And he's saying, you know, I want to feel that change consume me. I want to, you know, turn myself inside out and realize that all of the pain, all of the, the shadow that I've gone through is what's leading me to my time. It's a great, powerful song because it really is about looking at the darkness you've gone through and appreciating how much it's helping you grow. It's realizing that your time in the shadow isn't for nothing. And so uh, anybody who's listening, the song is 46 and two by Tool. It is off the album Enema and it is fantastic. So yeah, what is the, so like the 42 and two, 44 and two, 46 and two, like, why is it? And two, why isn't it just male and female? Okay. Right. Cause we have and what 44 and two, we have 44 chromosomes and then the male and female chromosome. So the next uh, okay. would be 46 chromosomes and the male and female chromosome. Again, that's my under, that's what I understand of the reason for the title, but none of that is actually brought up in the song. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I, I, as I was listening to the lyrics and reading about the meaning behind it, I was like, yeah, I can see how he's sort of addressing it. Like it seemed like it was kind of the transition through the, I don't know, to kind of like resisting that side of you to accepting that side of you, which kind of is the evolution is like the resistance to the reality of you and all of the things that come with your experience in your life. And then more so going through the acceptance of how important all of those experiences were, and then kind of ascending <laughs> a funny word beyond those and, and experiencing them knowing how important they were, but not, attaching so much to them and that's kind of the process of like waking up i guess in a, in a big way as much as we think it's it's we're sending in from 3d to 5d and like all that shit it's really just no longer resisting so much about yourself like accepting that shadow accepting the darkness or or coming to terms with the vastness of you, because as long as you're resisting one end of the spectrum that you don't think that makes you less comfortable or doesn't fit your preferences, you're trying to fit yourself into a box or an idea. And the reality of you can't be fit into a box or an idea. It's, it's the entire spectrum of all experience, all emotions, all things that could ever possibly be done and all the things that have ever possibly be been done have been done by you and recognizing that allows you to kind of go beyond the limited idea and then see things and kind of go into things with open open eyes and open arms and and an open ability to not be so resistant to the way things may seem or the way other people are because you're able to see yourself in them because you've accepted that you could possibly be or, or have done all those things, all the darkest things were done by the reality of you. 
as opposed to, you know, resisting that side of it, because you're never going to be free through resisting an end of that vast spectrum. Well, that's the thing, right? Like when you're, when you're suffering and you're holding on to all of these pains and all of these these memories, the shadow, as it were, you can't help but constantly look back to that thinking there's, there's still something wrong with you. One of the hardest parts of that catharsis is the recognition there never was something wrong with you, right? So you have to resist that urge to go back. And as, as they say in the song, you know, I've been picking scabs again, right? And that's what they're talking about is I'm, I'm looking back at my scars. I'm looking back at the shadow with judgment. And, and so the, the whole point of the song is to let that go, to recognize, and I think he says it here, um, I want to feel the metamorphosis and the cleansing I've endured in my shadow. And that's exactly what he's talking about. And it's interesting because he's saying like the shadow is important and it's important that we go through it because it's what informs our way of living. And so I'm just going to read this quickly. Um, I choose to live and to lie, kill and give and to die, learn and love and to do. And what it takes to step through is see my shadow changing, stretching up and over me, soften this old armor. So hoping that I can clear the way by stepping through my shadow, coming out the other side, stepping into the shadow. 46 and two are just ahead of me. And so what he's talking about is just going through the dark and evolving as a result, right? Not resisting it, recognizing it, it has its place, but we go through this process of picking scabs, of thinking there's something wrong, instead of just accepting that all of that is our, our trial by fire. Yeah, yeah, it is so funny when you start to see that you know, there never was anything wrong with you for so long. We, we just always think there's something wrong. There's something we have to fix. There's something we have to change. Oh, if I, I was only this way. Oh, if I was only that way. Oh, if only this thing was different or that thing was different. And one of the deepest recognitions you can ever possibly have is the recognition that there's never been anything wrong with you ever. All of those things that you think you had to change about your physical appearance or your the way that you think or the way that you interact or the way that you say things or the way that you feel things or aren't able to feel things. It's not about changing to this perfect point, this perfect idea. It's about recognizing that all of those things were perfectly appropriate. There's never been anything you've ever had to change besides letting go of the belief that you've had to change something. Like if, if there's anything, to let go of or change it's to stop thinking that you should change and and it's funny because like you know egotistical kind of typical societal mentality here's that it's like well there's nothing wrong with me well what about this 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 and it's not to say that you won't change after you recognize that it's after you recognize that you can actually be in the flow of things because you're not resisting and, and living based on your preferences and the way you think you should be. So through letting go of the belief that there's ever been anything wrong with you, you see things way more clearly. The veil lifts and, and you're able to see all of the options in front of you that you weren't able to see when you were existing based on your preferences, based on the way that you think you should be or the way you think you should be acting or the way you think your life should be going or, or the way you think that you should be spending your day. It's 
it's through letting go of that, through letting go of the should, the the belief there's something wrong, the belief that you should be different in any way, shape, or form than you are, allows you to actually change and grow. As long as you think you should, there's something wrong with you, it kind of reinforces the thing that you think is wrong with you. And then you don't actually change. Like how many people think there's so many things wrong with them who have been doing the same fucking shit for years, years and years and years. The idea that there's something wrong with you keeps you stuck in the way that you are in the narrative, in the story, because you keep telling yourself that and it keeps reinforcing the same types of things. Like part of you wants to change, but part of you, you know, part of the story a lot of times is people don't think they can. And, and they, see all these things wrong with them but then it's been such a habit that they they don't think that it's even something that could possibly change so letting go and relaxing into the reality of just what you are here and now that that you've always been perfect everything you've done has been perfectly appropriate to everything happening in reality letting go of that resistance to what you are allows the change to happen because Change is always happening. It's you and your ideas and your preferences and your judgments and desires that hinder the ability for that change to happen. So in letting go of all of those things, change is just the reality of you or it becomes so. That's really interesting. I ran across uh, a video from a university teacher. Uh, I think it was yesterday, the day before, and they teach calculus or advanced math, and they were trying out a new curriculum basically where they removed testing and, and the threat of failure from the students and instead gave them a way to test their performance without it reflecting on their grade and allowing them to reflect on their performance in those tests rather than worrying about making a mistake. And what the point was, was that there are two modes that we tend to think in. One is learning mode and the other is performance mode. And when we're in performance mode, we're not in learning mode. And so by removing the risk of making a mistake, we immediately go into learning mode. As soon as we don't have a problem making a mistake, we're in learning mode. But when we fear making a mistake, now we're in performance mode. And that's where most of us end up being in the schooling system. We're put into an exam and the fear of failure is our biggest motivator. And as a result of that, we are in performance mode, which means we're not learning as we go through that because we're afraid of how it defines us. I thought that was fascinating. And the, and the students who learned through this method of self-reflection as opposed to self-judgment um, self learned the material better. It took a little longer. He even admitted that it took a little bit longer because there was more one-on-one -on -one time that was necessary as each student reflected on their performance. They would go to the professor and say, this is something I think I need help with. And then he was able to address it that way. But how often does that happen in traditional schooling? Not at all. Man, that is a really cool recognition. That was going to stick with me, learning, learning mode versus performance mode. Because it's almost like when when you let go more and more of the idea of yourself, you realize you never have to be in performance mode. You recognize there never is an, an end where it's like, all right, this has to go perfectly or else I'm fucked and my life is ruined and all this. If you can just be in learning mode, even when it seems like even the points where people are like, no, you should be in performance mode. If you can stay in learning mode, 
you can actually like it's like learning mode allows you to to touch the flow performance mode takes you out performance mode it's like you're in learning mode and the flow kind of doing things going through it and then it's performance mode you step out of it you're like oh fuck i'm all all alone i'm not tapped into anything i'm not connected to anything or anyone it's all on me this means everything about me blah blah blah, blah, blah. it's very egotistical so learning mode is almost uh like flow whereas performance mode is like divided ego and it it makes me think actually bringing up calculus because i took um calculus in in high school and and college but in high school and i was never like i was always good at math like that was always the thing that i was in the advanced classes and it was just came naturally to me and uh, been better with numbers but calculus came around and especially like pre-calculus it was uh really tough had a tougher time doing it and then calculus i uh i actually had a tutor for it that year and only met with him here and there but every time we met uh it was very much like instead of trying to prove myself to him i was in that learning mode every time and i would ask a ton of questions that i wasn't able to in class because there just wasn't the time there was you know 20 30 kids in each class and it was a lot more difficult to do and I ended up getting like one of the highest grades in that class, despite in pre-calculus, not doing nearly as well. And because I was in, it's just hitting me now, like kind of that learning mode and the ability to go through and ask the questions. And like you said in the example, there was more one-on-one -on -one time to the learning mode. There was definitely a lot more time spent, but it was like, once I did that, I was actually helping a lot of the kids in the class because I was able to kind of work through that barrier of where you're like, you feel stuck. You're like, none of this makes any sense. This is like a totally different language. Once you get on the other side, which is through kind of letting your guard down being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. I have this question, this question, this question, you know, you might have a hundred questions. And if you're able to work through all of those and stay in that kind of curious state, then you can learn so much more as opposed to just going from in the class confused and then all of a sudden a test is coming up and you're like, oh, fuck, I have to do well on the test as opposed to I have to learn this. Like our focus is all on I have to do decent on this test as opposed to learning the shit. And so through that, I was obviously lucky I was able to not ever get a tutor. There are oftentimes ways to get um tutors whatever um but uh yeah it was incredibly helpful and it that example just reminds me of that a lot you know being able to be in that learning mode have the opportunity to stay in that i ended up getting yeah one of the best grades in the class despite doing middle of the pack to probably lower in the pack in the in the class that was easier than the one that i ended up doing better on just because I was able to work through all those questions and, and kind of stay in that learning mode. <laughs> yeah. And it comes again down to that switch of not being afraid to make mistakes. And our schooling system doesn't take that into account. Our society doesn't take that into account. I mean, look at uh, China and their social credit system. That's brutal. And you can guarantee the world governments are looking at that going, hmm, that looks promising. And it's just because it's a form of control. It's another way of 
them being able to say what we should do and there being a penalty as a result, right? But what kind of a society does that create? What kind of a lifetime does that create for the people who live underneath that system, right? Where everything you do is subject to the fear of judgment that you might actually lose demerit or you might be demerited points, right? Just because you didn't pay your taxes on time or you relate on your, on your grocery bill or on your, on your electricity bill, right? Now you can't travel to the next state over because you know you don't have enough credits on your record. That's, that's terrifying, right? But that, that's the point is that we keep forgetting that, as I said in Discover Transcendence and numerous of the founding fathers of the United States said numerous times, liberty, it's the state of mind of freedom that creates a thriving society. Each and every person should be free to express and think and question and not get tied down to a specific mentality that calls the shots for everyone else. Yeah. We should watch the Lego movie at some point. Actually, I'm gonna write that one down for a movie review. Yeah, the freedom in yourself is very important because yeah, all of those fucking social credit systems, like there's actually a Black Mirror episode about that. And now it's like happening, not very, deep into the future at all it's like five years after that episode is made but it just reinforces all of it's like that keeps you in performance mode at all times you're never in learning mode you're never allowed to have your guard down and change and shift oh my god yeah those things make me actually physically pretty sick like thinking about the reality of them um if i think about it too much but it's like it's uh it's so fucking alarming because it's gonna keep us it's gonna keep us stagnant too in the way things are it just reinforces the current mentality and it's like an expression of the extreme of the egotistical mentality like it it perpetuates so much of the illusion of division so much of it because everything like you are what you do and this credit score like is you and it's like it all reinforces all of that division and because we're not able to be in learning mode and, and make mistakes or, or change or grow it's just going to reinforce that mentality even more it's like the collective ego clamping down squeezing even harder on this desire for control in the illusion of control thinking that that's going to that's going to solve things like fucking hey like I, it's crazy that they even think that that's going to solve things they're in a state that they can actually believe that it's wild they have to believe that right like that's the whole point is the mentality of control can't question itself and so it has to continuously double down it's like a gambling addiction right you're chasing your losses well that control didn't work out surely more control will right and that's what our society largely is, but see, I don't worry about it. I spent years worrying about it. I spent years looking at the technology and looking at just the crazy amount of crap that they can do. Like there is a crowd control beam. It's an invisible beam. You can't see it, but they can put it on a dish on top of like a, a Hummer, right? Or, or an SUV or something like that. And this dish, will fire a particle wave 
at a crowd and make the crowd feel like their skin is burning off. Yeah, that exists. And it's totally just a feeling. It's not actually doing anything. It's just the pain. Right? Right. Okay. So that's been out for a while. Um, HARP, right, which is this electrical array up in Alaska that the US government's been playing with for like the last 50 years. Yeah, that that can boil the atmosphere on the other side of the planet. Right. Things like that, you know, kind of social credit system. Same thing. You look at that, you're like, Jesus, we're entering 1984. It's another movie that we should watch if you have not read the book, 1984. Right. I have but not. The, the reason that I don't worry about any of this is because what happens to a society that does not have critical creative thinkers? What happens to a society that stagnates and becomes just the humdrum of every day, just going to work, serving my purpose, going home, consuming media, going to bed, waking up, going to work, serving my purpose, ad infinitum, just in that, in that loop. What happens to a society that does nothing but that? People start hating their existence. That's when all of a sudden you have to start putting nets around the buildings because they're trying to kill themselves, right? How long do you think those nets are going to last or work? How many people can those nets carry, carry or catch? Right, like the problem is, is that as a society, we start to lose our connection to reality. And so we lose all of our love of living. We lose all meaning and purpose. We lose our ability to empathize. And what we end up with in a society that is continuously in performance mode for the sake of control are an increasing amount of violence, desperation, murder, crime, shootings, suicides, mental health issues. Does any of this sound familiar? Because that's what we're going through now. And we're going through that now because we have no connection to reality. And why don't we have any connection to reality? Because we're always in our head, right? But that can't last forever because of the consequence, because of the side effects, the result inevitably comes up, inevitably. And we're seeing it now. And necessity breeds change. Just like in 46 and 2, our suffering leads to evolution. The same is true collectively. Right. So a stagnating society might seem like something to despair over, but the pendulum swings the other way inevitably. It's just a matter of, of watching that process and deciding which side you're on. And I don't mean side like got to fight the other people, but I mean, which way you're leaning on this pendulum. I guess that's the better way of putting it. Right. Because you're contributing to the swing one way or another. And I think right now we are slowly realizing that we've been swinging in a certain direction that's getting more and more painful just because we're running from the reality of uncertainty. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I guess that's I guess in recognizing, you know, the the reality of eternity and the reality of you does make you a lot less resistant to anything really like understanding that everything is always fleeting even as egotistical of mentality as we have right now as a society because as you said there are as you know kind of dark as it is to say like the repercussions are people start killing themselves because existence fucking sucks for a lot of people 
and the it's it's driving people insane on so many levels like the story that they tell themselves thinking you know wanting to change but continuing to tell themselves a certain story is you know it's what is the definition of insanity like doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is that not what we're doing on an individual and a collective level like thinking that more control is going to change things and then it only keeps making things worse so we we keep uh instilling more control or desiring more control and it, that's for the individual and the collective like we we think in our lives that oh if i can just control this if i can just get other people to to like me or these types of people if i can get this person to like me then everything will be okay it's like we're we're clamping down on more control more control more control thinking that that's what it's going to do that's what it's going to that's what's going to change it is oh if i just want it bad enough then i'll get it it's like why do you want it so bad and even so there's a comment in here that kind of references this or or at least my point to it um how would you handle a thought that creates its own problem like insomnia i'm afraid of not sleeping but it's this fear that's making me that makes me not sleep so this idea that if you want to sleep enough you'll sleep is that counterintuitive it's kind of like backwards law alan watts talks about but what if you were to recognize that there's nothing wrong with not sleeping what what if you what if you could and i know that sounds crazy and extreme that what do you mean like i have to sleep i have to do this but like internally if you can let go of the need to sleep that that causes you you embody more of a relaxed state which allows for you to sleep but it's a letting go of the desire to sleep so bad because if you're not asleep and you want to be asleep you think things should be different than they are that's going to create a resistance. You're not going to be relaxed in that state. You're going to be thinking, your mind's going to be super active, even if you're lying in bed. Like, I wish I was asleep. I want to be asleep so bad. I should be asleep. I should be asleep. There's so much wrong with me because I'm not asleep. If I was asleep, then I would be okay. But but because I'm not, there's clearly something wrong with me. What do you mean there's not anything wrong with me? What do you mean there's nothing wrong with what I'm going through? I'm an insomniac. I can't sleep, blah, 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 blah. blah. This whole story, all of that goes on in the minds of people who can't sleep as much as much as your body's you know lying down maybe your mind's fucking running a marathon trying to do something you can't try to do something and expect it to actually happen you have to let go of the desire for it to happen it is counterintuitive i know but understanding there's nothing wrong with not sleeping try it out for a week understand like oh there's actually nothing wrong with being an insomniac nothing wrong with not being able to sleep and see if it gets a little bit easier but trying to fall asleep as i think alan watts has said is is like you know choppy water or experiencing choppy water patting it down thinking it's going to calm it like that's the same sort of mentality you have to let go of the desire for the thing to happen and and things are going to work out significantly better than you could have ever imagined through trying to to latch on to more of that control. It's, it's a relinquishing of the control that allows you to relax, that allows you to the 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 perfect thing to happen more perfectly than than you could have imagined before. Absolutely, it's funny because 
So I suffered from insomnia for a very long time. And it was exactly because of that, that inner loop, right? Thinking about getting to sleep. Why can't I stop thinking? Trying to get to sleep. Oh, now I'm thinking about trying to get to sleep and it just kept going. And so uh, over the years, it took me a long time to get over that. It would come and go depending on my stress level, depending on how much I was thinking about myself, oddly enough, and trying to get to sleep. Um, and over time, what I started to realize is that falling asleep is a lot like falling backwards. Like you actually have to relax into it. Right? I don't know if you've ever done any, any one of those uh, trust exercises. You've ever done that? Where you have to fall backwards into somebody else's hands? Yeah, that feeling without being afraid. That's going to sleep. Right? It's just letting go. And I find that to be so useful to the point where I'll lie down and it's like I'm falling into another reality. It's awesome. It's like going through a door backwards. Uh, fuck. As soon as you said that, I was like, holy shit, that's what I've been doing the last couple of months. Like as I'm lying down, as soon as I almost it's like if everything's dark and then it's like I drop back, like when I'm lying, lying down, it's like I drop back deeper like through the back of my bed or bottom, you know, mattress. And that's when I, that's the, that's the last thing I remember always when I go to sleep. And, and it's almost like I, cause last night I did that. I don't always like think about that every single night, but last night I did, of course. And it was, that was like the last thing. And then it was like, I was, I was asleep and I had the conscious thought of, oh, I just have to fall back into it. And then I can, and then I did. And it was, yeah, it's fascinating how, oh, it's just, yeah, super interesting. But I've been doing that too. And yeah, it, it it's almost been able to be something that I can choose, almost has become like a choice, which is, is strange because it's like control coming out the other end. And it's weird to say that, I can almost have a conscious choice to, all right, time to fall asleep. Let's fall back. And then I'm asleep. Oh, I love the transition too. Like I said, you can actually watch that transition happening. Like you almost, it, as you get better at relaxing into it and you're not rushed, right? You're just like, ah, oh, all right, this is fun. We're going to leave reality and go somewhere else. And there's this weird point where like, you see these things in front of your awareness because it's not with your eyes, but you're, you're seeing like, shapes and patterns and things nothing that makes sense by any means but all of a sudden you're like oh there's a field oh there's a person right and you and all of a sudden these shapes and patterns become reality and you're no longer looking at them as shapes and patterns but just reality the idea that they were ever shapes and patterns in your awareness disappear and it just starts to feel like you're in a physical reality again i love that transition that's so very interesting to me that it's it's starting to get to the point where i can almost feel it coming from the other side like when I'm dreaming and I'm like, I should probably return to being Ray. Like this morning, for example, I woke up 60 seconds before my alarm. Fully aware that I was waking up before my alarm, right? That stuff's neat. Like when you're in a dream and you're, and you're still fully aware that you're in another reality at the same time, because you are, you're in two realities at the same time. And you try and wrap your mind around that it gets trippy and I'm, I'm just starting to have more fun playing with it now. Like the falling asleep part was tricky for me, as you know, from our previous experiences um, or experience, previous 
discussions, there was a period of time where I would actually wake up not knowing who I was <laughs> or what anything was around me. And that was largely because of the state that I was trying to explore in the dream, which is the abandonment of Ray. So then how do I come back to Ray? Right. So now there's almost this awareness of the two at the same time. It's just that you're not paying attention to the other. You're like, oh, I'm going to get back to almost like I'm going to get back to work. It's kind of how it feels. Like you're like, sweet, I've got some dream time. Oh, almost time to get back to dualistic unity. And then I'd wake up and here I am. Wake up, quote unquote. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the movie Avatar a little bit like being in two different realities at once like yeah they're in the you know bed thing or whatever and i haven't seen the new one i'm just referencing the the original one but and they go into like avatar land as as the beings it's kind of uh reflective just going into a dream more or less and you can experience it just as real as you experience this but it's not that you're trying to make the dream feel as real as this it's almost like meeting in the middle in a way of allowing this to feel more like a dream through letting go of the idea of yourself and it's like you meet in the middle so it's it's not even like getting a dream to be like reality it's getting reality to be like the dream or letting go of either like they make sense yeah. right which is what we've been talking about for for three or four seasons right? Like every time you're like, well, how do I lose a dream? It's like, stop thinking you're dreaming. On the one hand, on the other hand, stop thinking this isn't one, right? You're breaking down the concepts. You're breaking it back down to what it really is, which is the subjective experience of a division between the observer and the observed when there isn't one. Nothing's changed except for how committed we are to this division, right? Like we're so committed that we're, we're, we look into it. We're like, but what is this all made of? You don't generally do that in a dream, right? Because what would you find? It's all made of you, right? But you wouldn't find that if you were avoiding the realization that you're the dreamer. What you'd keep finding is more and more smaller parts of the dream. So reality is, is no different, except that it's a much more complex and detailed dream. It has much more consistency. And I have to wonder if that's just because it is the collective dream of so many of our singular individual, like there's so much more resource that goes into this dream than just the dream created by your gray matter within your own individual perception. You know, imagine a dream that wasn't limited by your individual biology. Imagine a dream that actually took 8 billion people to have. How detailed would that, be, would that dream be? Right. You ever see um, Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio? The yeah. the role I, of the that architect movie popped into my head right right is right before he said it. So the role of the architect in that movie was to add all the detail in the background. Right. Everybody had a different role in creating the dream, but the architect's role was to create like make sure the carpet's right, make sure the you know, the backgrounds right, all the scenery and all that other stuff. But imagine. A dream, a dream that's actually real. You would need every per, every participant in that dream to be also a part of the architecture. Like it would be a living intelligence creating the architecture as it goes. And is that not reality? Our living intelligence creating it as it goes. Oh man, 
Yeah, because we're all choose- when you recognize, you know, we had the discussion of uh, the other day. Oh, well, you know, the idea of the creator and being God and like, what if I'm just creating all this? And it's not that we're creating it as we go, but we're just kind of choosing or, or choosing one of the paths of the infinite paths and and all the potentials that could possibly be. But if everyone's doing that all the time, then it's an infinitely intrinsically detailed dream. Because as much as you are choosing your path that you're going down, that doesn't, I mean, it does influence other people choosing their paths, but they're also choosing their paths. And it almost like all blends into one sort of one sort of flow. And that's it. And so it would make sense why so few understand that they're not what they think they are. Cause it's such an such a fucking crazy detailed dream that it makes sense that it 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 can be it can take a lot of questioning and letting go to recognize there's so many layers to it yeah yeah oh i'm i'm still questioning (laughs) and i'm firmly convinced that the questioning itself again changes the dream but only to to the degree of the whole mentality right so what i mean is that we are a collective individual there's one mind working and we're all very much different thoughts and insights within that mind sometimes different doubts different judgments depending on what we're embodying we're all just performing different functions within this collective mind that is you at the end of the day so the more of you that starts to question itself the more your mind starts to change and thus the dream that your mind is having but that means surrendering the idea that you are just Andrew, right? And that also means that all the other characters, quote unquote, would be surrendering the idea that they're just them. And that's why it's so hard to say, well, yeah, I'm kind of creating this dream. And well, they are too. And there's no you and they, right? There's just the perception of a division. There's just the experience of a division. But your will and their will is the same fucking will. It's just expressed differently in the same way that different water droplets in a river travel different directions it's still the same river it's still the same direction it's still the same flow it's the same will it's just expressed so differently and we are experiencing things so intimately from this perspective that we actually can't see how they're tied together and it's because we're not supposed to see how they're tied together we're supposed to slow down until it's obvious that they're tied together That's all it is, is getting out of the way in terms of the conceptual, but how does it all work? And just recognize that it does because it's you. And if you just work, just do your thing without needing to feel like you need to understand how each and everything you do plays out in the giant scope of things, the more you're just flowing with the river, whether you realize it or not. Really, that's the kick in the teeth, right? Is the fact that we are always the flow. And what changes our, is our resistance to that. Doesn't stop us from being the flow, but it certainly changes our efficacy 
within that flow certainly changes our experiences of that flow, right? Certainly changes how much we're enjoying the experience of being the flow based on how much we're resisting it. Because again, like a river doesn't hurt you until you start fighting against it. That brings up an interesting point too, because it's almost like trying to understand how it's all connected or trying to understand unity actually takes you further from recognizing it because in that desire to understand there's going to be a lot of you involved and thinking that well i want to get this oh i wish i got this oh these per these people get it and i don't it's like that's all reinforcing that it's not already it or oh they seem like they get it so much more i wish i was at that point i want to see it more clearly it's like that is actually taking you in the opposite direction from being able to recognize it anytime. So the, the conversation of, you know, seeing unity or recognizing unity or, Oh, I've, I've, I get that we're all one and all of that. Even that statement is taking you further from the genuine recognition of it. It's like, you can have that conversation it's not to say that it's wrong to say if you do start to recognize it, but if you don't say it tongue in cheek, it's kind of clear that you don't like if you say it like, oh, yeah, I, I've, I've seen that. Oh, yeah, I, I get it. And it's like if you don't recognize it's like, yeah, I've seen that, you know, I've seen that, like kind of make a joke about it. Like you can't you can't say it seriously. If you've gotten, if you've actually gotten it, everything's like, yeah, you know, you, and that's why we kind of make jokes and are always saying like, yeah, mine or, or yours. And it's like, well, mine, but until you understand that, if you're saying things like, I, I get unity, I've seen it, you know, whatever, like I, I get it, but you know, identity is super important. It, you need it and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you haven't actually seen it. You haven't really recognized it because then you would recognize that that idea of you is not the reality of you and you're you're all of it you're all of them all of all of those other people are just as much you as the idea that you cling to <laughs> yeah i've often laughed that there is an overabundance of air quotes on our show i know anybody who's listening to the podcast doesn't understand because they haven't seen the video but if you ever watch the videos it's ridiculous how many times we'll be like i and others in air quotes because there's really no other way to have that conversation keeping in mind that there is no i and others everybody's just i from their perspective right the idea of others really depends on the perspective of them being a separate thing somehow excluded from the flow that you are and that's definitely not the case and so we use a lot of air quotes for sure i want to talk about this actually quickly because we talked about it a little bit last week in in the episode of raw where we had some of our patreon supporters join us really really enjoyed that we were talking about uh, philosophy is the disease for which it should be the cure and the temptation of being clever and i wanted to bring this up again because it really is important People listen to a lot of the stuff that I talk about and they go, wow, you really did a good job putting that all together. And that is not how this works. And I just want to make that clear. Everything I've ever communicated on this podcast 
was largely the result of me not assuming that I could figure it out and surrendering and allowing my awareness to come up with whatever it is it came up with. And I mean that sincerely. There was a point in my journey where I recognized that thought and insight work two different ways. Thought is always the result of force. It's always the result of trying to put something together. And we are very good at that. We are very good at, at processing concepts. Insight is the process of allowing something to come together as a result of all of the experience that you've had, of all of the context that you gained. And so really the only way to continue to have more insight is to add more context and allow what you are to reveal itself over and over and over again. It very much is a very, it's a different way of experiencing intelligence in that you're not being intelligent. You are intelligence. And you're just watching that as opposed to trying to take ownership of it and evaluate, evaluate yourself accordingly. Do keep that in mind, that the biggest insights that I've ever had in my life were moments of silence, where all of a sudden it was like I got smacked in the face with it and it had been sitting there the whole time. It's just that I wasn't relaxed enough to let it come together. I really wanna communicate that to everyone. Intelligence in action is different than you being intelligent. If you're thinking about this stuff, you're getting in your way. Take it in. Be in the present. Keep coming back to reality. Relax. Pay attention. Be yourself and watch the context process. That's it. That's why a large part of this, and Andrew and I have talked about this, is experience, is getting out and doing stuff. Like to address the, um, the Reddit post that I read earlier, go do something. Get out of your house, go do something. It doesn't matter what it is. If there's a coffee shop you've never been to, go and sit at that coffee shop. If you don't have a tendency of sitting down by the river or in a park, go and do that for an hour or two. Just do something different. Give your brain new experiences to process. Give your awareness more context to understand what experience is and an insight will form. But you can sit in your basement, you can sit in your house, you can sit in your library, pouring through books, memorizing concepts, sounding very intelligent and very clever, and never actually being receptive or feeling at peace. Absolutely. And just with that, I, I see the podcast very much as a, as a reflection of that. And a lot of people are surprised when they hear that we don't prepare anything for any episode though i i've been asked like so what's been your strategy for like you know episode prep and you know what figuring out what you guys are going to talk about it's like there is none literally like I, it's obvious on a live stream and stuff that we don't necessarily i mean maybe it's not obvious i don't know maybe some people think that oh you've talked about five different things like were you planning on talking about that but like even in the the kind of standard the classic you classic episodes i'm gonna start calling them that that we film every monday um that come out usually on tuesdays that we've been doing for a year and a half like we've never they all have topics that we cover we've never ever spoken before them like we speak briefly before the workshops for like 10 to 20 minutes but 
that's the extent of that. And those are workshops like the podcast. We don't prepare for them at all. There is no preparation. There is no pre-episode prep or something. We get on there and we start talking and then we do an intro and then that's when it starts. And that's all it comes down to. And it has to be that because in that, if you want to actually go beyond what you know, go beyond where you're at. And I think the state of relaxation that we're able to embody on the podcast, on every episode allows for us to experience new insights. We're not trying to have great responses. Like Ray starts saying something and I don't have any preconceived notion as to how I'm going to respond necessarily throughout it. Maybe I'll have something like, Ooh, that's a, that's a great point. Oh, I haven't thought about it like that. Oh, there's something I have, I've never thought in my entire life. I'm going to bring that up. But if I had this idea that Oh, I have to come up with, you know, a perfect response to what he's saying. And like, oh, geez, how how has this uh, been experienced in my life? Uh, okay, this, okay, that experience. Okay, I'm going to talk about that. It's not like that at all. It's like, we're chilling. We're, we're relaxed. We're just having a conversation with each other. And that allows for those insights to arise. That allows the intelligence to be expressed. All these episodes are just intelligence being expressed but it's not Andrew and Ray being intelligent. It's Andrew and Ray being intelligence. And that's not associated with the ideas of us. It's letting go of the desire to be intelligent, as Ray said, that allows for intelligence to be expressed, allows that deeper understanding and knowing and, and the insights to arise. But it's through that, through that embodiment, through that ability to not want to say the perfect thing and letting go of the idea that there's any perfect thing you could ever possibly say, thinking that, you know, you know, this thing I say is going to lead to this thing in, in the future. And like, that's all control. That's all ego. That's all desire for things to be the way that you think they should be. We don't have any desire for the way that we think things should we be because we don't <laughs> or the way we think things should be because we know that we don't know. We know that we don't know what the best thing to say on this episode is, the best way to respond to someone, the perfect way to, to help them so that they can feel at peace for the rest of their life. It's like we know that's not a thing that can even happen. We know that it comes down to you. So we allow the responses to arise within us and then be expressed. And we don't have fear going into it of how it's going to be taken or expressed or, or how it's going to be heard or whatever. It's without that fear, without that hesitation that they're allowed to be expressed. But as soon as you start thinking about yourself, as soon as you start thinking, oh, does this make me sound intelligent or, or dumb or smart or stupid? You're thinking about yourself. And as, as soon as you settle on like, oh, that was really intelligent. It's like, oh, am I going to be able to match that in the future? It's thinking about yourself. And that cuts you off right there as soon as you start thinking about yourself cuts you off so it's a letting go of that allowing which allows the intelligence to be expressed but it's not about planning it's not about preparing it's not about thinking that you know what the best thing to say is so letting go of all those things that allows you know the perfect thing to be expressed every time yeah because it's whatever it is that's being expressed and as if it's authentic and coming from you then it's got 100 percent of your intelligence behind it, right? It's when you're trying to be something that it, that it lacks. And I just wanted to mention to everybody that 
if you really want to have an entertaining show in terms of watching this conversation, join us in person because in person, the conversation just continues on and it goes through way more in terms of topics. Um, and it's just because there's no mute button. We're not going you know, back and forth per se. There's more of an organic conversation. And the same is true if you join us. So definitely do consider doing that at any of the retreats that we're going to be hosting. I should mention quickly that the Netherlands retreat, which is happening from November 11th to November 19th this year is on it's absolutely ready to go. Tickets are currently available to tier three supporters on Patreon only, but as a tier three supporter, you also get a $350 discount. So that's definitely something you want to check out. Early access is for the next week or so, and then tickets will be available to tier two after that and tier one. And then eventually by the end of February, we figure the Netherlands re retreat will be available to the general public. So you'll be able to join us there. A lot of options in terms of, of rooms There's semi-private rooms. There's a shared room. This is going to be a huge event. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think more, more than anything, I'm enjoying the fact that this event allows so many other community members to connect, not just connect with us, but connect with one another. Because while you and I are going to be talking with whoever's around us, they will also have access to this giant property where they can take walks and shoot the breeze. And again, if they'd like to smoke some cannabis and, and whatnot, and there are uh, psychedelic truffles that are available in the Netherlands. So there will be options in terms of being able to hang out, but we're going to have nine days as a community together. I think that's going to be very exciting. That all said, though, I'm still looking forward to the April retreat because there's only two tickets left. And that retreat is a little bit more intimate it's a little bit different in terms of us having the ability to take you specifically and solely you for a walk and just shoot the breeze with you one-on-one -on -one, privately. Such a great experience to be able to do that, to connect with the other people at the retreat. It's going to be a lot of fun. I wanted to mention this because we are also planning possibly a weekend, psychedelic-ish weekend in Colorado uh, coming up in June. We're not too sure about the details of that. As at the moment, and it's mostly because just want to bring this up, speaking of not necessarily doing the intelligent thing all the time, because of the COVID restrictions that are still happening in the United States at the moment. Um, I am not vaccinated. And it's not that I'm against vaccination. I just don't have any reason to be vaccinated. It'd be different if it stopped transmission. We've had this conversation before. But the fact is, is that I don't really have any need to be vaccinated because everything I need to do is no longer under that restriction. Uh, and I just waited that out as long as I could. So in terms of the states, they are still wanting me to be double vaxxed coming over the border. So I'm not doing that. But as of April 10th, there will be uh, a review of that decision and they will decide in the states whether they're going to once again renew that requirement or if they're going to abandon it. So as of April 10th, April 11th, which I thought was funny because it's the day after the retreat in April, um, we will know whether or not the June weekend is happening. So definitely keep an ear open for that, but do also consider that tier three supporters get early access and there will only be seven tickets available for this event in June. And they may all get grabbed by tier three supporters. So you may want to consider being in there. Just my word of advice. Yeah. And as, as Ray said, the, the discounts for tier three are significantly more than the price of doing it for a month. So even if you just hop on tier three for a month, if you really want the ticket, get the ticket, get 
a huge discount. You save money versus waiting to pay the full price. So makes sense to to hop on there or probably even you know any any of the tiers at any point uh when those have access. But uh yeah, regarding the uh the the vax, it's so funny that now that uh more and more has come out about the recognition that it doesn't stop transmission, which I never did. Uh, but there were a lot of people that was the push, right? And now everything I'm seeing that that's coming out is people are totally backtracking on that. It's like, God, these fucking fucks. Like they're, they're all like, Oh, it never stopped transmission. What? No, no, it never did that. No, like, Oh no, that was never the narrative. It was always just to keep you safe. And it's like, why would you? require people to do something when it doesn't actually impact everyone around you and if anything as you brought up a long time ago like a year ago getting the vaccine actually causes things to continue to spread because it's not detectable in you as much even if you have it you don't experience as many symptoms so then you travel around and actually spread it as opposed to getting some symptoms. So it actually furthered the spread getting the vaccine. And now uh, I was re I was going through Twitter yesterday because I saw a video of these two guys in the uh, Davos uh, whole get together. Um, is it a WEF world economic forum get together type thing? Yeah. And they were um, following. There's a walk that there a lot of the interviewers are getting people in it. Um, able to ask them questions and basically no one responds to anything, but they had the Pfizer CEO um, and they were talking to him and he wasn't answering anything, but they're talking about, you know, how all these things coming out, like how does he, how does he feel about all of the, uh, the inability? One of the better questions I thought they asked was about um, uh, what's the word for when something basically like when something doesn't work properly, people get refunds on the thing. For it not working they're like do you think people should get refunds for this especially people who are experiencing very very negative consequences to it like because of the vaccine and you know, no responses to any of that and it actually well, has gotten to right we all we all did this under emergency use uh, emergency use authorization which means we waived all of our rights to any any legal recourse at all yeah, it's so fucking and that that video where it was just a bunch of questions that he actually didn't even respond to any of them. He didn't say anything has now gotten taken down from like every platform except Twitter is the only one. So, uh, you know, Elon's do, doing something half decent over there um, in allowing that to uh, to stay up, because like it's it's so interesting just how now, of course, and you knew it was going to happen, of course, the narrative switches and they're like oh it was never about you know stopping the spread and blah 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 and uh it's just so uh it's fucking disgusting honestly but yeah buckle up it's gonna happen again just letting you know and it's just because right now they're looking at the profitability of vaccine related companies covid definitely opened the doors to that all of a sudden all of the investors in the world went oh oh i missed the boat on this think about that Right. Like we're looking at, at COVID and going, oh, I could have made some serious cash. And rich people are, I promise you. 
Absolutely. And there's already discussion about how vaccines are going to be a big part of, of the uh, the economy moving forward. They've been talking about that a lot at the World Economic Forum and otherwise, because, of course, this is another market. This is another product for us. And it's very much based on our fear of death. To a large degree, our, our fear of not having control. I mean, that was the thing about the last vaccine. For however long that went on. I just continued to listen to how everybody who thought like me was essentially, you know, an irresponsible murderer because we weren't getting vaccinated. But my point was always the same, but it doesn't prevent transmission. The only thing it's doing is kind of priming my immune system so I don't get as sick. It doesn't stop me from getting it. So all it does is make it so it's, as you said, easier for me to walk around not feeling sick, still carrying it around passing it on to everyone else. So it didn't make any sense. But in order for me to not have that vaccine, I just had to keep listening to this and not taking it personally. More importantly, I had to let go of what I wanted over and over and over and over again. And that's the thing that's killing everyone is the fact that, oh, you can't go roller skating. Oh, you can't go to a movie theater. Oh, you can't go out to the bar. Oh, you can't do these things without the vaccine. Fuck it, don't go. Like, how hard is that? Fuck it, don't go. Figure out something else but we couldn't tolerate that. No, I, I got it. I got it. If I can't go out to the gym, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life for fuck's sakes. You know, and that was largely what what turned a lot of the population was just inconvenience. It was just inconvenience. And the fact that they would be vilified otherwise. And that's, that was the pressure. Everyone else and the government telling you you're a piece of shit if you don't do it. That much pressure coming from that kind of mentality doesn't resonate with me because none of that's really about my health. It's just about their plan of action and living up to their expectations. And if it doesn't make any sense, it doesn't make any sense. That's as simple as it fucking gets. It doesn't make any fucking sense. If the vaccine ended transmission or ended the disease or ended the, the sickness, cool. Sign me up. I'm on board. You know, right here. I'm good to go. But it doesn't. It doesn't. And until, you know, it does, I'm not going to change my mind about that. I'm not because it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't matter how much pressure there is. It doesn't matter how many of my rights you want to take away. It doesn't matter how inconvenient you want to make my fucking life. Fuck you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious i saw a comment about the the hospitalization keeping hospital rates low they were they were able to uh to write it off to that for for a time but you noticed how the narrative stayed exactly the same as hospitals were doing just fine and it's like they, they will latch on to any way to convince you to do so and you know the inconvenience was a massive part like that's that's the reason I got it. Like I, there was no reason and I'll fully admit that. Like everything Ray just said, like, yeah, that was me. I wanted to go to the gym. I wanted to go out. I was living in New York city. Like you couldn't do jack shit without the vaccine. You couldn't even like, oh man, you couldn't even fucking walk outside without your fucking mask on. Like I, and I did that and it wasn't, ah, uh, it was so wild thinking back that like, I walked around with a mask on and I felt fucking like a jackass every time I did it. And like, I, but I would, I would pull it down and 
it was interesting. I would run some experiments just on my own, sort of walking through. Cause like you walk around with no mask on, which I did sometimes you get death stares like all the time. It was crazy. And then, so I would walk around with, with it on, but it around my chin, not nearly as many death stares, which was the funniest thing in the world. And it's just, oh man, it's just so fascinating. Like the, the, how much influence that collective fucking pressure can have. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm ever getting a vaccine ever. I haven't gotten a flu shot in fucking 15 years. And I mean, I did that and yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really get sick very often. Now I'll probably be sick in a couple of days, but uh, you know, it, it's rare. And if I do, it's just like you work through it. You know, you get through, and obviously I know I'm not being necessarily super sensitive to people who do get sick and struggle and suffer and whatnot, but like, I don't. And so why should I do something that's going to not do anything beneficial and hasn't hardly been tested and could have a ton of fucking risks? Like a lot of people fucking died from the vaccine, like the blood's on their hands and they don't fucking care. Yeah. Well, and here's the funny part. This is this is the thing I always find really interesting because uh, problem, reaction, solution. Create a problem, wait for the reaction, offer a solution that works in your favor, right? And, and so with the complaints about the hospitals being overrun, I, I, I encourage anyone to just go over the last 20 years, look back in the newspapers, look back in the news, you will find every year the same thing. Hospitals are overrun. Medical systems not able to keep up. Oh, it always has been that way. Why? Because the country's run like a business. That's why. So they cut corners. They try and save costs wherever they can because there's lots of people in Wall Street and the military industrial complex who need all that money. Right. And then they complain when shit hits the fan because our priorities are out of whack. If they were, if they weren't out of whack, then we'd have a healthcare system that took care of everybody and was actually ready for shit like this, right? But we don't prioritize that. Instead, we wait and we go, oh, healthcare industry is overrun while we fund all of these other projects that have nothing to do with taking care of the people in this country. Right? So I always find it really interesting that often they'll say, this is the problem about a problem that's existed for a long time, but they didn't have anything they could pin it on to justify it. So now they're like, no, no, there's a problem. Look, and that's, that's the cause. It's you. <laughs> You're the cause. Did we mention climate change? You. You're the cause. Uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, it's really freaky thinking about like problem response solution mentality, like how simple of a sort of three-part assessment that is, but how prevalent it is and how easily they're able to do that without people questioning like, hmm, this is interesting. Hmm, we've seen this before. Hmm, maybe it's a bunch of greedy fucking assholes who are creating this type of thing or at least create it. And again, people are going to misinterpret that into thinking that, you know, I'm saying that they created COVID and, and like place it into reality. But <laughs> I'm not going to write that one off either, honestly. Not going to go into like Alex Jones conspiracy world necessarily, but it does make me wonder. And that's okay to fucking wonder. That's the thing, too, is you couldn't even wonder things. You couldn't even be like, 
maybe it did happen. Ever think of that? I did used to say that. And I have I have fucking receipts on this shit because like I have some stories from early 2020 about how fucking dumb some of this stuff was. And uh so anyway, so the uh problem response or problem reaction response type thinking, like yeah, even if it wasn't necessarily placed into reality to allow them to make shitload more money and clamp down on control, clamp down on, you know, the whole mentality of show them why show all of them why they need us type thinking, um, which was very much utilized in this situation. Even if it wasn't, they still saw they turned it into more of a problem than it was initially because they knew that, okay, where's the opportunity here? Okay. We have this thing, you know, we don't know what it is. Let's, let's ride that for a little bit. Let's ride on the, I don't know what it is. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to be extra, extra, extra careful. And we just so happened to have this new vaccine that we created and it's going to make this company a bunch of money, which I just so happen to be invested in. And you have to take, because if you don't, you fucking hate everyone else. You're okay with everyone else dying and you're a selfish piece of shit. And they literally created that entire narrative. They were able to do that. And people didn't even bat an eye. They were like, mm, you're right. Mm. Oh my God. Maybe, maybe it is the worst thing ever. It's like, if you actually listen, like, and the thing is people who were even just questioning that weren't allowed on social media, weren't allowed on the news outlets. So they were able to just, you don't fit the narrative. You don't get to speak. And so that's how it's reinforced. And because people are so fucking afraid all the time, they don't question it. Like, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just the same fucking mentality as maybe there is a God. Maybe there is heaven. Maybe I am going to, you know, I have to believe this. And because and, maybe, maybe it's like, what's happening right now? Where are we at right now? You know, has this been done before? Maybe we can look into what some of their incentives may be to pushing this narrative. We ever think of that? Maybe it's kind of interesting that all these people are invested in this company, that they're forcing you to do something that makes that company a bunch of money. Maybe we look into that a little bit. Hmm? Hmm. Yeah, but that, that's uncomfortable. We don't want to do that because that implies a problem, right? And then it changes what I want to do today. I just want to go to the gym, Andrew. That's all I want to do. Stop making my life complicated. And that's that's largely what we're dealing with there, right? Is the fact that we want to trust the beliefs because the alternative is terrifying, right? We want to trust the government because the alternative is terrifying, right? And that's the problem. As long as, long as we're putting it off, it's going to keep getting more terrifying, right? Because the mentality that runs this is the most superficial selfish mentality and we are all suffering as a result of it and so yeah it's it's really interesting to watch it's certainly interesting when you start to recognize that there are certain things that they they lean upon like our desire for convenience you know that was the big thing about the pandemic that just passed that really got me was just how many people from the start was like no i don't think i need that like I think my immune system response is perfectly okay. Uh, I think I'm going to take my chances. And then it was like, well, you can't go out now. 
within two weeks to a month, almost everybody's like, fuck it, just give me the jab. Right? That, that's the problem. Right there. Like they know they can do that. The system knows that they can just make it inconvenient for us. And we have no fortitude when it comes to just taking it. Like we really are just addicted to our way of life. And until we're willing to sacrifice that way of life, to surrender our comforts and what's convenient to us, the system's always going to have us over a barrel. Always. There was a, a poll that was done a couple of years back. I don't remember which university it was, but they asked university students what they would trade for, for having all of their tuition paid, right? And I think it was like 30% of them said an iPad like or or no, they would they would trade their right to vote forever for an iPad, right? As like fifty percent said they'd tr trade their right to vote forever to have their tuition paid. So it was only slightly less for the iPad, right? Like that's that's the whole thing, right? Because it doesn't two two reasons. One, we really like our conveniences and we really hate bills. And two, voting doesn't fucking matter, and we know it. Right. So there's all of these indicators that there's something seriously wrong. Right. But we don't have the mentality to realize that that thing that's wrong is our collective mentality. That we lack meaning and purpose and empathy because we're locked in our head, as we said at the beginning of this episode. And that's what's causing all of this pain and suffering and strife and conflict and misery. And it has for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. And it's not until we go, oh, right. <laughs> it's on me that things start to change, but we have to do it in a way where we're not judging ourselves. We're not, again, in performance mode, where we're in learning mode together. And then the whole planet will change because we're learning as a planet instead of just individual people trying to be clever and put themselves above everybody else. Amen. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I take an iPad. Might as well get something out of out of not doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had that conversation uh, with people too about not voting. And they're always like, Oh my God. And it's like, you're, you think that voting is your, uh, fucking, uh, fuck. What's the word, uh, giving to society. Like you're, you're, uh, I can't think of the word, whatever you, what you give to society. Like you think that's, that's it. And I was talking to this person. I was like, you know, I have social media. I have my public thoughts online. I have a podcast. I talk about this all the time. You really think that my vote is going to have more of an impact on reality than all the things I'm talking about all the fucking time. Like, you don't think that that might have a little bit more influence on reality. And they didn't have really much of a response to that. But we, we settle upon this like, oh, I'm going to go vote and, and do my civil duty. And like, you think that has an impact? I, I think helping an old lady walk across the street or picking up her groceries is going to have a significantly more impact than voting in a broken system that doesn't give a fuck about you. I think all of that, I think smiling on some to someone on the street that has a frown on their face as you're walking past them is going to have more of an impact on your vote. I think buying one less water bottle at the grocery store, if you're picking up five, is going to have more of an impact on reality than your fucking vote. The point is, almost anything that you do 
in reality has more of an impact than your fucking vote. So understand that and actually make some changes in your life or start talking about some stuff. Start bringing up some things you see as an issue in society in this collective mentality. Spend, you know, the the hour you were going to spend waiting in line to go vote and go to a fucking soup kitchen. That's going to have a significantly more impact, more of an impact than your fucking vote. So, yeah, I think I think that's part of the mentality shift as well, though. But, uh, you know, we'll keep talking. <laughs> oh, that's it. Right. We'll keep talking and the, the conversation will continue to change. I think that's what, what we forgot. And I think that that's a large part of what we're seeing, you know, in, in cancel culture and, and this this infatuation with how we feel all the time. Like, I don't like what you're saying. It, may, it hurts my feelings. So you can't say it. And I'll make a law to make sure you can't say it. It's like, hold on a second. Just wait like that. That can cut both ways. Right. But if we can't have a dialogue, if we can't continue to talk, if we can't have conversation, there's no way for us to continue to grow and adapt. And this is why it's like, oh, religion and politics, not in pleasant and in, in polite company. I think maybe polite's not the priority at this point. You know, it might be changing things so that way we're we don't have any so many complaints about religion and or politics to avoid talking about maybe that would help um but that all said this has been a fun episode of dualistic unity raw uh we are going to continue in 15 minutes on patreon at patreon.com slash dualistic unity you can join us there uh if you can't join us today of course we are there five days a week and if you can't join us there join us on wednesday six o'clock eastern time for a free public group discussion where you can be on the screen with us it's not publicly available after the fact we do just post it to patreon uh, for our patreon supporters so you don't have to worry about that if you come to the group it won't be broadcast as a podcast episode it is specifically just for the community yeah, and it's always a blast. Uh, there's, there's a, well, I'm, I've read through some of these comments. I'll try and clip up some of these last bits we've had in here regarding COVID and uh, voting to get people nice and riled up. <laughs> uh, I can't tell if uh, empirical text comment is sarcasm or not, but uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess sarcasm, but you never know. Uh, but anyway, looking forward to the Patreon chat. Uh, we are gonna take a break. I'm gonna take a take a little rip of rip of my new vape <laughs> beforehand. Uh, and excited for the chats. Hell yeah! All righty, we'll see you all in a few minutes. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.